in a sense, today I'm going to speak on something that kind of where we have to walk in agreement with Him and believe that He will keep His side of everything that we say. In fact, today could be quite prophetic for several people here. Today might even be a turning point. Actually as well, I'm going to speak today on something that many of you do and you do it well and you do it faithfully. But actually, I I just believe like God's laid on my heart to make sure that you're doing it from relationship, from conviction, from from a prophetic insight that this is how we come at life and run our economics rather than just a habit and it's just something I do. Because if you do something not from conviction and relationship, you do it out of ritual and habit. You know what that is? Religion. And you know what religion does? Kill your spirit. Even if you do the right things. There's a religion in this city where people pray five times a day because it's a religion. That's not doing them any good. We pray because we love God. So today, I want to speak to you about the test that God places before you every single month. Please take your seats if you will. And for some of you, you might need to re-energize this habit. For others of you, you may need to spiritualize this habit. For some of you, you might need to start this habit. Because in speaking about the blessing over your life, I want to hit the nail on the head today and then be up front and speak about the concept of tithing. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I, I thought I heard somebody say boo for a minute there. Tithing. Tithing is giving you the first 10% of your gross income to God straight up front. When I went to Bible college, I went to the European Bible Seminary, I, I was so naive. I went there and I thought it's going to be like three years of church. I thought we were going to have Bible studies and worship for three years. And I just learned loads about the Bible and then they'd send me out. I got to class one day, and some of you would have had this experience in high school. I I got to class one day, and everybody was saying, are you ready for the test? And I said the famous words, what test? And they'd all studied. I hadn't really studied. I scraped through that class, and I think I scraped to see just on on that exam. But many believers don't realize that they face a test every time they get paid. Now, I wonder, do you get paid weekly? Anybody get paid weekly? Anybody want to admit that, that you get paid weekly? You know, you're an old-fashioned kind of, yeah, there you go. Uh, You get paid weekly. Sorry, I'm not calling you old-fashioned. At least you get paid. Does anybody get paid bi-weekly? Anybody get paid every two weeks? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, there's somebody walking out the door, actually, who just said, yeah, I do. Uh, Anybody get paid monthly? Everybody get paid monthly? Yeah? Does anybody not get paid? Okay. 
if and when, whenever you get paid, there's a test. And the test is this. Who, whom are you going to thank first for that money? That's the test. Who are you going to thank first for that income? Now, some of you may get paid irregularly, but whenever you get income and what you get, who are you going to thank first for that income and to acknowledge first for that income? You take this test by what you do with the first 10% of your income. Some of you thank Visa first and pay him off. Some of you might thank groceries first and get them in. But they don't have the power to bless you. You've just sang a song called Covenant Keeping God. They don't have the power to bless you in covenant relationship with with you or with, with them. They don't have that power. The only power that has the power to bless you is to what you do with the tithe concerning your money. I'm going to teach three important truths today. First of all, I'm going to teach you that tithing is a test. Second of all, we're going to hear that tithing is biblical. And third of all, we're going to hear that tithing is a blessing. Everybody turn with me, guess where? The Italian prophet Malachi, or you might know him as Malachi. Turn to Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 6 to verse 12. Verse 6 to verse 12, Malachi 3. It says this, I the Lord do not change, so the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. You know, that makes me smile, that sentence, because basically we quote, I, the Lord, do not change. But basically what the Lord's saying is, you're so unfaithful, you're so uh, rubbish at following me, it's a good job I don't change in my love and my righteousness to you, otherwise you'd be destroyed by now. That's basically what the Lord's saying. It makes me kind of smile. I, the Lord, do not change. Uh, otherwise the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your answers, you've turned away from my decrees. You might have that written down as ordinances um, and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. I'll just pause there. How many of you think that our nation, Great Britain, runs its economics just really brilliantly and there's enough for everybody? Well, Kathy thinks no. Is anybody else? It's something wrong with how we're running our nation's economics. Now, actually, I'm saying to you today that what I'm going to speak to you And if you're a guest and you go to another church, this is for you to take back to your church to tithe there. If our nation is to be turned, the church has to believe in the way that God does economics. Because as we do it that way, it breaks something in our nation. So this isn't just a little talk. This is a bit more important than we realize. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent, not only will you have abundance, you'll have protection, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. How many of you felt like there's two months month at the end of the money? And your vines and your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. How many of you want money to come on time? Says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This might be about church today, but it could just spill out into your community if we, as his people, begin to follow his way of doing economics. Let's observe some things about this passage. Stay with me in the scriptures today. We've got lots of Bible. The Lord does not change. There are some consistent things between the Old Testament and now the New Testament that we need to observe. Has the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Hey, this is a talkback sermon. Has it changed? No? So you're okay with not being adulterers, okay? Or has the command, you shall not murder, changed because now we're under grace? Okay, or, it, or is it a bit of a nonsense to say that, oh, this is in the Old Testament, therefore it doesn't apply? If you think that you shall not steal has changed, please go to the shop across the road and steal a Mars bar and let's see what happens to you. God has carried forward into the New Testament his ethical demands Now he's changed some ceremonies and some ceremonial ways of knowing the Lord so that now we have access to God through Jesus. But can I also point out to you that Jesus was sacrificed on the cross? It was a sacrifice and that's a principle that runs through the whole of the scripture. The decree in this passage, or you might have it the word ordinance, it means the word ordinance. When the Lord says, you've not obeyed my decrees, the word there means my ordinary principle of behavior. The way that I ordinarily expect you to behave. Some people argue that this this verse is not applying to us because we are not under the curse because Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, of course, that is true, but a curse is simply a consequence of what happens to you when you step outside of God's uh, way of doing things. And yes, we are redeemed from the consequences of sin, but if we sin, there are consequences. If you do something that isn't in God's way of doing things, there are consequences to that. It would be foolish for us to say that in Galatians, we're redeemed from the curse of sin and then say, well, if we sin, there are no consequences. This is the same truth here. If we don't tithe, 
there are consequences to our hearts. The trajectory and the direction of our hearts and the travel in which we are going to trust God. But if you place yourself under the curse of consequences, if you step out of the plan of God, then there are consequences on your life. Sure, the, there's, the curse of the law is broken, but the consequences of stepping outside of God's plan still applies to you. Seriously, go and try stealing a Mars bar from the news agents across the road and see what happens. There are consequences if you step outside of the way God wants us to do things. Jesus has borne the curse of the law. Amen? So, some people say, I can't be cursed as a Christian. Did Jesus bear sin for us on the cross? Come on, it's a talkback sermon. It's not a trick question. Did he bear our sin for us on the cross? Have you ever sinned after being a Christian? Maybe not answer that, okay? (laughs) Did he also bear our sickness on the cross? Have you ever been sick since being a Christian? And if you're sick today, we want to pray for you. You see, if it was wrong under the law, it's still wrong today. If it was right under the law, is it now wrong or is it still right? There are some things that last through time. Have you ever noticed that just as you're getting ahead, something comes and devours everything that you've got? Has that ever happened to you and all the spare that you had? Some people want to say to me, ah, it's because of this reason, it's this reason, it's this reason. Maybe it's because the fact that you're not tithing. You are a steward of what you have, all of what you had. In fact, I don't really say, oh, we, you know, God, we give God the 10% and we, we get to keep the 90 as if like we just give a little bit to him. It's all God's. The earth of the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm not an obligated owner. I'm a steward of everything that God gives us. But God says 10% is his and you need to return it to him. That it actually is his. It's not yours. Malachi is a book, actually, about returning. If you read the whole book, it's about returning our faith, our family, our finances to God. In chapter 1, it talks about returning our faith to God and coming back to an authentic faith. In chapter 2, it talks about returning our families to God and and being the right family before him. Chapter 3 talks about returning our finances to God. And in chapter 4 of Malachi, it talks about that God returns to us and comes and be, be with us. Tithing is an ordinance or a regular, uh, the principle of ordinary behavior with God. Giving God the first portion of everything that we earned is ordinary behavior for God's redeemed people. It's not for just the ultra committed, it's the ordinary. If you've been a Christian only a few weeks, this might be a good step for you to begin to hear this. Because God wants to bring all of your life into order. 
You see, the issue of tithing is not about whether it's an Old Testament or a New Testament thing. It's, it's a long-standing principle through the whole Scriptures. The whole Scripture talks about first fruits. I may even talk about that next week. As we shall see, when people argue about whether or not this is applying for us today, I often ask myself whether it's really a genuine argument what's the spirit that that's coming from what what you know Jesus who lavished on us in the New Testament the grace would God want us to give less would it would it you know would God want us to kind of hold back having lavished on us more surely in the New Testament tithing is just the minimum standard As we shall see, tithing was way before the law and there's a real worship principle behind it. Now, you might be thinking, you know, when I first uh, had biblical language, I used to pronounce tithing, tithing. I don't know how to pronounce it. So uh, the word tithe, T-I, I I can't even spell it, T-I-T-H-E, tithe, it comes from a Hebrew word called mashrach meaning a tenth part. And you know what? It's a really fair way of running economics. Now, whatever you earn, you're asked to give the same. So if you earn, and you know, I don't do this, if I earn 50,000 pounds a month, I don't do that, okay? Um, I'm giving some, okay, well done maths people. I'm giving 5,000 pounds a month. If you're earning... 500 pounds a month, you're giving 50 pounds a month. My sacrifice and your sacrifice, or my returning and your returning, is the same. I'm not giving any more than you. I can't look at you and say, oh, that was only 50 pounds. You can't look at me and say, oh, you're giving a lot. We're both giving the same. And that's why tithing's very fair. Tithing is a test for everyone. You know, the number 10 in Scripture often represents or does represent testing. As we go through the Scripture, let's just go, follow this with me. In fact, this is a talkback sermon, even in the balcony, talk back to me. Okay, how many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. Come on, everybody. How many? This is not a hard test. How many plagues? 10? 10? How many commandments are there? Okay, there's a pattern forming here. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Now, some of you are saying, I'm not answering because I don't know. Well, that is right. That is the answer. Okay, ten. How many times did God change Jacob's wages? Guess what? Ten. Ten. Now, some of you are answering, you don't know, but you can say ten because that's the right answer. Okay. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. Oh, you're getting more confident now. Now, those of you who know the New Testament, how many virgins were there in Matthew 25 who had no oil? Ten. Are you there? Ten. Can you see the pattern in the Scriptures? I'm testing you. I'm testing you. It does it through tens. How many virgins were there? Ten. How many days were testing in, were, of, of testing were mentioned in the book of Revelation? See, you don't know, do you? But it is ten. Come on, shout it out. Ten. 
10. Yeah. How many disciples were there? Oh, I was just trying to catch you out. I was just trying to catch you out. Oh, you're such a deep church. You really are. God is testing our hearts. He tests us with this. And, and this is also the only area where God says, you can test me. Now, we're not to tempt God, but God says, I want you to test me. I dare you, he says. In fact, it's a two-way test. I'll test you, you test me. Test me. Now, the word test, it's a word that means to prove. It's like a, whether you see if a metal is genuine or not. It's, a, it's like proving a metal. That's the word used in the original language. It says, I'm testing you to prove whether your character is there and whether you can believe me in this area. Because let's face it, money is one of the hardest areas we all struggle with. But you can test me to see if I'm the God who I say that I am, the provider, the righteous one. And you can see if God's as pure and as true to his word, so you can test him in this. Now, to me, the passage in Malachi seems so simple. And if I tithe, I'm under blessing. If I don't, I'm under curse. Now, I'm not the smartest tool in the box, I tell you that. I'm not the smartest man who's ever preached the gospel. But I think I would rather be blessed than cursed. Tithing is a test. Number two, tithing is biblical. And by the way, what I'm going to do is on our email, I'm going to put all my notes for you to read. You might want to go through it with your uh, cell members or with friends. I'm going to send them out to you this week so it's emailed out to everybody on our emailing list. But tithing is biblical. You're, you're not a bad person if you don't tithe. You're not. Please don't think that. You might be ahead in some other areas. You might be fearless in your witnessing. You might be good at compassion and things. It's just something that you might not have come to in your spiritual journey yet. You might not have seen that it's a scriptural or been convicted about it. So let's look at some passages. Are you okay? Let's go into the Bible. If you've got a Bible with me, turn with me. Uh, with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 14, and we'll just have a look at verses 18 through 21. There's a strange story, this, about this unusual king of Salem, Melchizedek. He brought out some bread and some wine. I wonder who this is in the Old Testament showing up. And he was a priest of God Most High and blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth. Praise be to the God Most High who delivered you from your, your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. You know, the king of Sodom always wants the people. The devil always wants the people and uh, tries to make you rich so you'll lose your people. But don't do that. Give God the tenth. This is a strange passage, but we see a figure and a foreshadowing of Christ. But here's the thing, this strange communion. It happens 500 years before the law was given. So those people who make an argument, oh, tithing's just part of the law. Well, what's going on here? 500 years before the law was given, Abraham acts as an act of worship, pays tithes. Tithing is not a church tax or a temple tax 
It's an act of worship to the provider who provides the bread and the wine in our lives. We need to understand that how the New Testament kind of says to us, Abraham is our model for life and faith all through the book of Romans and into James. Go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. And it says, Jacob speaking, and he says, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. Isn't it amazing that there's already foundations to God's house? And I will give you, and all... And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 400 years before the law, Jacob tithes. As the laws emerging and being given, Leviticus 27 verse 30, go over to that in your Bible or on your device. And it says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of seed and of land or of fruit or of the tree, is to be the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Now, you need to understand this. Understand that God establishes here that the tithe is set apart to the Lord. It's his. So, releasing it to him is is a natural thing to do. If, if I lend you Kathy's car keys, when you give them back, you haven't acted with great honor. You've just given back what's hers anyway. So you, the tithe is the Lord's. He, he gives it to you to say, I'm testing you to see if you'll give it back to me. But here's the other thing. Keeping it is stealing it. Just want to point it out. If it's somebody else's and you keep it, is stealing it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 26. And we'll read the first two verses here. Just really quickly. Are we okay doing the Bible a bit today? Yeah. We want a Bible church, don't we? Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 and 2 says, When you have entered the land, the Lord your God has given you, given you as an inheritance, and have uh, taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil and of the land uh, uh, the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord will, get, will choose as a dwelling for his name. So here we see something developing that God's saying, look, don't just keep your tithe and worship with it and give it, take it to a place where we can gather it. The Lord begins to establish that tithes go to a place for a service to to be used for a wider service, not just individual worship. Look at Deuteronomy 26, 13 through 15. I'll do this quickly, but it's important that you kind of understand it. It'll be on the screen. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and I have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. God uses tithes in order to bless other people. I have commanded, I have not turned aside from your commands. Nor have I forgotten any of them. I've not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning. Oh, I've got a need. God won't mind if I just use my tithe. 
I've not eaten any, nor have I removed any of it for a while, while I was unclean. I haven't made anything that why I couldn't do it, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have I've obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people of Israel and the land you have given us as you promised as an oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at some principles in this scripture. I have removed the holy tithe from my house and taken it to a place where you have chosen your name to abide. I've not kept it in my house for charitable causes or what I think. I've taken it and given it to the administration for somebody else. Secondly, I used it for the Levite, the teacher of the law. Actually, in Nehemiah chapter 10, the system was is that the local Levite collected the tithes and he used that so that he could be the teacher in that town. And then the Levite would take those tithes and tithe on them, a tithe of tithe, into the temple in Jerusalem. In our church system, we pay our tithes into the local church, and the local church, we send 10% of everything to our denomination for world missions, evangelism, and all of those things on the wider scale. That's biblical economics. If only our government tithes that would break the curse over this nation. Maybe we should stand for parliament and say, what am I things is, I'm going to bring in tithing. Let's see if we get voted in. (laughs) It was used for the Levite, for the teacher of the law. Then it was used for social justice. It was used for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. That's what tithes are used for. Please don't think that tithes are only for salaries. They're for social justice things that the church is involved in. Did you know that 40 people were fed this week in our community table? And the payment for that came out of our tithing. Isn't that an amazing thing? And thank you, Pastor Eddie, for your ministry in that. And then the, the writer there says, I haven't used any of it in my time of need. You know, when it was morning or they felt unclean, they said, oh, I can't tithe because I've got the, all these needs. They said, no, I'm not going to use that. I haven't used it for weird religious practices or to... Uh, bribe God into do anything. I didn't send any to the dead so I could get a, a special uh, blessing. I haven't done anything. You know, don't you think that Christians often, you know, they use money to say, oh, if I sow this seed here, I'll get this here. All of that isn't really biblical. I haven't done that. I just paid my tithes. I haven't paid my Christian school tuition fees for my children. I haven't used my tithe for that. I've not used it for other things. What I've done is brought it to the house of the Lord, to the community of the Lord, and I've given it into someone else's hands to administrate because that's faith and trust. Can I ask you something? If Jesus himself asked you to tithe, would you do it? It's a talkback sermon. If Jesus asked you to tithe, would you tithe? Would you? Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. And let's look at verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 23, 23. It's got to be biblical what we're saying. 
Uh, by the way, which is Matthew in, Old Testament or New Testament? Okay, thank you. It's a talkback sermon. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint, of anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, what Jesus is saying in the New Testament, saying, yeah, you've been tithing, but you've been refusing to focus on some important things. You've made tithing something you do as a habit. You've made it into religion and not relationship. However, you should have been tithing and doing those matters. Either way you read it, it could be read in one way as this. You have been doing it but leaving out some important things. Or you can read this scripture, uh, you... You should do this without leaving the other things undone. Either way you read it, Jesus is saying, please, you should be tithing, but don't neglect some other things as well. Or you should uh, do those important things, but don't leave tithing undone. Can I show you something amazing about Jesus and tithing? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, is an unusual scripture. It reads like this. It's talking about how we offer to God. In one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. Okay? But, stewards, I just want you to know that that's kind of talking about you, and you won't, you will probably die, okay? But you will go close to Jesus, okay? Well, that hasn't blessed them at all, has it? Sorry, stewards. In one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. And what this scripture's teaching is, is that even though your tithes are administrated by human hands, when you give them physically into physical human administration, it is ratified in heaven and received by the eternal one that he says, my people have obeyed me, I receive that. Isn't that amazing? You see, you thought we were just passing a bucket round, and all the while Jesus is going, I receive that, I receive that, I receive that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical. Tithing is a blessing. Let me give you the background to a scripture. If you want to go to Second Chronicles chapter 31, and I am going to come into land, but I do want to stay in the scriptures a bit today. At this point in Israel's history, in Second Chronicles, the nation was in recession. Hello? Anybody resonate with this? And you could say, that they were in recession because they'd not obeyed the law. They actually, Hezekiah was now saying, look, we've got to reestablish some things. We're in trouble here. And so they institute four months of saying, let's bring back all the things that we're supposed to be doing. Read with me uh, in Second Chronicles 31 
from verse four. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give a portion due to the priests and the Levites so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And the order went out and the Israelites gave generously of their first fruits of their grain, the new wine, the olive oil and their honey and all that their fields produced. Everything they produced, they give generously. Now, go down a few verses and uh, Hezekiah is being like a pastor. He's saying, are are the people okay? Uh, You know, we've instituted this. Are they okay? And if you go down to, uh, I think it's verse 10, he says, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat, plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. This is the priest saying, don't worry about them. We've, we've, we've even got stuff left over. And then Hezekiah checks and he goes out and sees what the people have got and they've got heaps and heaps and heaps for themselves. Tithing is a blessing. Now, I'm not looking for uh, compliments about my preaching, but in all the various forms that it comes, do you enjoy the spiritual food that you get at Kensington Temple? It's a talk-back sermon, you know. You know, do you enjoy that food? The spiritual food that you receive here, the spiritual food that you get, can I just say to you, it costs money. It costs money for a building, it costs money for staff, it costs money for resources, it costs money, everybody watching online, it costs money to do our online. It costs money. And it costs money for the counseling, the freedom uh, courses, the food hub, the children, the youth, the equipping, it all costs money. Because people need classes and small groups and people need cell groups and all of that costs money. Now, when the king Hezekiah had commanded this, he was worried about the people and saying, well, we're okay. How are you doing? And then he shows them all their heaps and they're doing fine. Would any of you consider going to a restaurant and not paying? I mean, you're okay with the spiritual food. Is that okay? You with me? Have any of you been to a restaurant and done the dine-in dash? Don't admit that. Kathy's just said no. Thanks. Thank God. Have you ever been with a friend that go to a restaurant and they say, actually, I've forgotten my wallet. You know what? They're not your friend. But can I say Christians do it every week? By just coming and dashing without returning. Could I say that to you kindly and gently? That like Hezekiah, I'm concerned how you're doing. But if you dine and dash, then maybe you're not appreciating the spiritual food. The priest told them, No way, don't worry about them. Because they've been blessing the house, they they are being so blessed. Read it. It's all there for you in 2 Chronicles. 
As I come into land, I've often heard two perspectives on tithing. I, and I've heard it consistently for many years. The first report is one of blessing. Of course, it's mixed with stewardship. It is not good teaching to say, God only wants 10%, do what you like with the 90. If you're reckless with the 90%, if you're unwise, you need to be a steward of what God gives you. Tithing is not a magic ticket or an excuse for reckless living. But for people who tithe consistently, time and time and time, the report is blessing, a sense of progression. Over time, things get better for them. Ever since I've had a paper round, and some of you don't know what that is, delivering newspapers on my bicycle, as a young child, I have tithed. And throughout my life, God has provided for me. I've got miracle stories. I can tell you, I've got a car story. Anybody remember the PT Cruiser? What a classic. Okay, you don't know the PT Cruiser. It looked like a gangster car from the front, and it looked like it was out of shape at the back. A bit like me, really. But anyway, should I say that out loud? Anyway... I was overpaying my national insurance contributions without knowing it for seven years. Then one beautiful civil servant happened to look at my case and worked out that the government owed me £10,000. How much was the PT Cruiser? £10,000. I got it. It was red and it was all done. It's an amazing story, right on time. The week that we want to to change our car, the government, by God's hand, stepped in. I have those stories. I told you the story about my car being repossessed last week. I've got lots of stories. It's been a journey for me. Then there's another perspective of those people who do not tithe. And without fail, They often say to me, I can't afford to tithe. Pastor Mark, you don't know my circumstances. I can't afford to tithe. Can I say this to you? You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You will never be able to afford it until you tithe. Tithing is what breaks the curse over your life. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, it might be difficult for some people to hear, but unless you do it, you can't afford it. But when you do it, something breaks, something changes, something moves on. I know people have abused this by just trying to teach you there's a blessing involved. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back on up if they will. But I think I want to ask, can I ask um, Pastor Kofi, would you join me on the stage, please? Charles, would you join me on the stage, please, just for a moment? And, and Pastor Eddie, would you join me on the stage? Come on up, guys. I'm just going to ask. Uh, we could have chosen a woman, couldn't we, as well? So, in fact, let's choose a lady as well because I don't want to give the impression that only men are the providers because that's not true, is it? So, Eddie, if you just sit down for a moment. And uh, Maxine, could you just join me, please? On this, It's not going to be embarrassing. Just come on, come on up here. Right. Would you... Could you imagine if I had Charles and Maxine and Kofi, just stand there next to Kofi. If I, if I was going away and I wanted to look after my lovely bride, Kathy, 
my bride for 47 years. Isn't that great? 47 years. Is it long now? Is it right? I can't remember. We're like a pair of old slippers. We don't know how long we've been together. And I said to Maxine, if I said to Maxine, now Maxine, I'm going away. And I want to give you a thousand pounds. Every month I'm going to give you a thousand pounds. And Maxine, would you just make sure that Kathy has a hundred pounds to look after her so she can have groceries and so on? And uh, thanks for saying yes. That's why I don't know. <laughs> and you know, but you can have the other nine hundred, and you can use that. And then I said to Pastor Kofi, and I said, Pastor Kofi, I'm going away. Would you make sure Kathy's okay? So I want you. Would you please give her a hundred pounds? I'm going to give you a thousand pounds. You can keep the nine hundred. Now. Uh, and you would do that. He's already nodding. Kathy, do you feel loved? Okay. And then I said to Charles, I said, Charles, I'm, I'm going away, and I need Kathy to be looked after. Uh, can I give you £1,000? You can keep the 900 but you give her £100. And while I'm away, uh, Maxine faithfully sends Kathy £100. She just faithfully does it. And while I'm away, Kofi says, you know what? You know what? I'm sending Kathy a hundred, but I've been, and he gives her two hundred. Just keeps the eight hundred. Just you know, he just just said, I just want to give an offering. Now Charles would never do this because I know Charles is just an honourable and good man, so he would never do this. Just for illustration. But then Charles said, on the first month he sends her a hundred, and then the the second month he sends her fifty, and the third month he sends her twenty-five, and then. Listen, this is just an illustration. He would never do this. Oh, Charles, I'm so sorry. What what a crowd, eh? They were about to storm the stage. I know who they are. Do you know they are? Yeah. And then on the fourth month, he doesn't send anything. Now, who, when I come back, who am I going to entrust more money to? I'm going to take it from this man. And I'm going to give it to this man. Actually, if you know your Bible, Matthew 25 isn't the parable of the talents. You see, economics and socialism says we all must have the same thing. The Bible actually says, no, those who are faithful get more. Those who are unfaithful, even what they, don't, what they have is taken from them. And, you know, I'm thinking, who's taking care of my wife the most? Who is it? You know? Well, you've done okay. You've done great. You've done, not, you know, but you've blessed me. You know, I'm thinking he loves me. He loves my wife. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. He would never do that, by the way. Do you know that Jesus has got a wife? Do you know that Jesus has a wife? Do you know that he has a bride that he bought with his own blood, that he went to the cross for? And you know that Jesus says to me and you, will you look after my bride until I come back? Would you, would you take care of her? Would you nurture her? Would you love her? I will build my church, but will you nurture the, the people in my bride? Do you think that Jesus is going to send money and more money and riches to people who don't look after his wife, that can't be trusted? You see, I'm learning a lot about character as I've come here to Kensington Temple. 
And he's thinking, he's learning about your character of how much they think about my wife and me. What would you think about Jesus' bride? The church is Jesus' wife, it's his bride. Jesus is away and he's asking you to take care of it. Tithing might be just much more personal to Jesus than we think. Rather than it being my duty to the church, it might just more be a love thing between you and Jesus about his bride. And I know that some of you are tithing for a long time. I want to re re-energize this love thing every month to you. That actually, it's a date thing to Jesus. It's an offering to him. Tithing is much more personal to Jesus than we think.